Hello, church. Thank you for inviting us into your homes today or your car or your RV or wherever you happen to be joining us today for worship. I like what Keith said. Today, we are one church gathering in hundreds of locations. So whether you're at your home, you're at your friend's home, uh, you're in the mountains watching, um, wherever you are, thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being the church. Last week, we said that a crisis, in particular this crisis, reveals who is playing church and who is being church. And I just want you to know that as a pastor, it has been incredibly encouraging to me to hear so many stories of our people just rising up to meet this moment and to help during this opportunity. Um, We've informed you of needs and you have gone overboard to meet them. I know many of you are going out of your way to check on friends and neighbors, people that you love, just to make sure everybody has what they need. Um, We've had had a huge number of people join us online last week for worship and on the app, catching up on all the daily devotionals. Um, So many of you brought stuff, donated money, or came and helped uh, at our daycare. We had an emergency daycare last week so that those in just dire need of daycare with the schools closing had a place to take their kids. And uh, we have some great stories of ministry and service coming out of that. So I want to thank you for that. So many of you have remained faithful to uh, giving financially to our church. And uh, some of you have even started giving financially during this time, which is a really cool testimony. Um, In fact, just today as we're filming this, we talked to a lady whose business is shut down, whose husband just got laid off, and yet she was up here donating all sorts of stuff so that our daycare might revamp up once we start again. So I'm just so amazed by our generosity. We might even make our church budget this month, which would be an amazing testimony to your faithfulness, to your generosity. I just love the way you guys are so generous. I want to share with you what my wife did last week, just as an example of some, if you need an idea of how to reach out to your neighbors. She printed up this piece of paper. It says, hello, neighbors. Please let us know if you need anything in the coming weeks. If we don't have what you need, we will find someone who does. We will get through this together. And it's got our name and our address and both of our cell phone numbers. And she put that on the doors of all of our neighbors in our little hood. And a couple of people have responded to that, just being grateful and thankful and just kind of coming together. And just an example of, of so many of you being faithful to rise up, to meet this moment, and to seize the opportunity that the church has to shine. And I'm so proud of you. I thank you. I'm proud to be your pastor. The title for today's message, I am contagious. I'm contagious. So are you. We all are. All of us are contagious because it's not just viruses or illnesses that are contagious. The way that you and I respond in a crisis, in particular this crisis, it's contagious. Our response is contagious. The definition of contagious is an emotion, feeling, or attitude likely to spread to and affect others. Now, I just made a list of things that um, can be contagious that aren't illnesses and viruses. Negativity, positivity, uh, just being around a negative person makes me negative. It's contagious. Panic, now walking through Walmart and seeing empty shelves, there's a, there's a real temptation in me to panic. It's just, it's contagious. But so is peace. When I'm around a peaceful person, I feel at peace. Fear, Confidence, those are contagious. Maybe the most contagious thing of all is selfishness and generosity. Generosity is just a, it's a virus in itself. When people are generous, it catches. It's contagious. Apathy and passion, both of those are contagious. 
Uh, criticism and encouragement, those are spirits that are definitely contagious. There are lots of contagious attitudes and emotions out there, and I want us to recognize that, that all emotions and attitudes that we choose can be contagious, so we need to choose them carefully, we need to choose them wisely, and we need to ask ourselves two very important questions when it comes to our emotions our attitudes, and our feelings during this time. And the first one is, what am I catching from my environment? What are the contagious attitudes and behaviors and emotions that I'm catching from places and people like the media or from news or from the social media that I engage in or maybe the people that I'm quarantined with or the people I have to associate with? Make no mistake, all of those are pumping out um, something that's going to affect you and influence you. It might even be an infectious disease like apathy or all those things we listed. I was talking to a guy just the other day. One of our police officers texted me and said, hey, I just ran into this person. Um, he, he doesn't have any money. He's out of food. Uh, he's out of groceries. Is there anything the church can do to help him? I said, of course, we'll do something. Give me his name and his number. So um, I got his name and number and his address, and his address was one block away from my house. I could throw a rock and hit his house if I wanted to. So right away, I just said, okay, that's my hood. That's my neighborhood. He's my neighbor. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm not going to ask somebody else to do it. I'll go take this guy some food. So I took him a bunch of food, and I sat on his porch, and I had a little conversation with him, and he was grateful, and he was scared and he was fearful, but most of all, he was just mad. He was just mad at the world. Um, he, he just kept talking over and over about how mad he was, how, how angry it made him to watch the news. Every time he'd watch a news story, he'd get so angry, and he just kept going over and over about how the news was making him mad. And I just suggested, maybe don't watch the news. Maybe watch something else that doesn't scare you and doesn't make you so mad. And he told me, here's what he said, he said, I've watched the news on TV all day, every day for 20 years, and I'm not stopping now. And I wanted to say, well, okay, then just be okay with being mad all the time because that's what you're getting. Our attitudes and our emotions are almost always directly attached to the things we look at and to the things we listen to. So we have to be very, very careful and ask ourselves, what am I catching from the things I'm looking at, listening to, talking to, what am I catching from my environment? Here's a pro tip for you. When it comes to news, be informed but not influenced. Be informed. You don't have to be influenced. You don't have to let somebody else tell you what to think. That's a pro tip, and it's free. So the first question, what am I catching from my environment? And maybe a, a more important question, how am I infecting those around me with my contagious attitudes, behaviors, and emotions? What are the people around me catching from me when they're around me? If I'm contagious, if my attitude is contagious, what's my family catching? If my emotions are contagious, what are my coworkers catching? Uh, if, you, if you can't answer, like I couldn't answer this directly, so here's a suggestion. Ask your spouse, ask your coworkers. You might not like their answers, but at least you'll get the truth, and the truth always sets you free. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of this guy, Thomas the Twin? You've probably never never heard him associated um, with this nickname, the Twin, but I bet you've heard um, of Thomas by another name, Doubting Thomas. You ever heard of Doubting Thomas? 
most people have. Maybe they don't know who he is or, or, or why he has that name. It's an interesting thing. The Bible never calls him Doubting Thomas. Jesus never called him that. Nobody in Scripture ever called Thomas Doubting Thomas. He just got that nickname from us, basically. Because um, the day that Jesus came back to life, he appeared to his disciples in this room where they had all gathered, but for some reason, Thomas wasn't there. Maybe he was out looking for toilet paper. I don't know, but Thomas wasn't there, Um, and so he finally gets back to the room. Jesus has left, but his disciples say, Thomas, Jesus was here. We saw him. He's alive. And Thomas says, well, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, and I won't believe until I touch the scars in his hand, see the scars in his hand, and touch the scars in his side, and touch those scars. See, he wasn't doubting Jesus. This was an honest, legitimate response. He wasn't doubting Jesus. He was doubting what his friends said. That's a totally normal thing to do, but for some reason, we've labeled him Doubting Thomas. And I want you to know there's more to Thomas than that one moment where we label him as a doubter. I want us to read this firsthand account uh, of an amazing, amazing thing. You're probably familiar with this story, but I want you to just focus on the way Thomas responds during the story. John 11, chapter 1, tells us this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, and Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Let's, you and me, us together, hey disciples, you all, 12 of you and me, let's all together go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you, not stone you, but throw rocks at you and try to kill you. They were throwing rocks at you just a week ago in Judea. Are you going there again? Because we ain't going there again. I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but every time someone throws rocks at you, we get hit in the crossfire. If it's dangerous for you, it's dangerous for us. And last week when people were trying to kill you, we were in danger. We got hurt. So good luck on your journey back to Judea. I hope your trip back there is okay. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Well, Lord, if he's sleeping, uh, he will soon get better. This is great news. If he's just asleep, 
you know, you you can go wake him up. You don't need all of us to go wake him up. Just surely one of you is enough to wake up a, a sleeping person. Do all of us really have to go back to Judea where they tried to kill you last time? See, John tells us they thought that Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's, you and I, all of us together, let's go see him. And I don't know about you, but as for me, if I was in that group, I would, I would be afraid. I would be a little bit anxious. I would be worried about going back to a place where we almost died the last time we were there. Jesus said, hey, we're going, let's go together. And in the face of that fear and in the silence of some uncertainty, a man named Thomas, a Jesus follower, a disciple, an apostle, Thomas speaks up. I want you to hear what Thomas said. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go, all of us, together, we, let's go too and die with Jesus. Let's go to and die with Jesus. Come on, guys. We're Jesus followers. If Jesus goes somewhere, we have to go somewhere. If Jesus leaves this place of safety, we have to leave this place of safety. If Jesus is going to Judea, I'm going to Judea with Jesus. If Jesus dies on this journey, Maybe we die too, but we're going to go with Jesus. A better way to read this, maybe an easier way to understand what Thomas is saying, he's not being fatalistic and he's not being pessimistic. He is saying, it is better for us to go with Jesus and die with Jesus than it is to stay here without Jesus and stay alive without Jesus. Thomas is saying, I would rather risk my life and follow Jesus then stay here and be safe without Jesus. It's an amazing statement of faith. The disciples must have gotten it. They must have agreed because they all ended up going back to Judea. When they got there, they saw their Savior cry, just break down and weep in front of a tomb of his friend that had been sealed and shut for three days. They heard Jesus pray an astonishing prayer that they had never heard him pray before to his father. They watched and they listened as Jesus raised his hands and he spoke three little words and they watched a dead man walk out of his own grave. And in a very, very real way, the disciples might just have missed that whole miracle if it wasn't for Thomas. They might have missed that moment. They might have missed an incredible, amazing display of power except for Thomas and his contagious attitude. Thomas was contagious. His faith was contagious. His boldness was contagious. His confidence was contagious. His desire to be with Jesus, no matter what it cost, was contagious. And I want to say to you, church, that our families, our neighbors, our church, even our community, in a very real way, even our world, might miss a miracle without us. 
if we don't respond with the same kind of faith, the same kind of contagious faith that Thomas had, they might miss a miracle. The way you and I as Jesus followers respond to this coronavirus crisis, it will be contagious and it will likely spread to those around us and it will affect those we love the most. Your emotions, your attitudes, your decisions during this crisis, they are going to be contagious. And so my question is, what are people around you going to catch from you? Here's my prayer. My prayer is that all of us that call West Main home, all of us that call Jesus Savior, my prayer is that we would have a follow anyway faith. Follow anyway faith. For Thomas, this, this meant it might be scary to go back to Judea, but I'm following Jesus anyway. It might be uncomfortable, but I'm following Jesus anyway. I might be the only one, but I'm following Jesus anyway. It might be dangerous, but I'm following Jesus anyway. And for Thomas, I might die, but I'm following Jesus anyway. I might run out of toilet paper, but I'm going to share anyway. It might be awkward to introduce to introduce myself to my neighbor that I haven't done that with in five years, but I'm going to reach out anyway. It might make me uncomfortable to submit to the authorities, and I might not agree with what they say, but I'm going to submit anyway. I may not have a retirement fund anymore, but I'm going to be generous anyway. Church, this is our moment. This crisis is our opportunity. And the way we respond is going to be contagious to those around us. And I want to ask you, what do you want your kids to catch from you? What, what do you want your parents to catch from you? What do you want your family to catch? What do you want your neighbors to catch? What do you want your church family to catch? What do you want them to catch from you? Peace or panic? Fear Confidence, selfishness, generosity. You see, someday this coronavirus crisis is just going to be a story that we tell. It's just going to be a story. Uh, and, and the story that we tell is determined by our attitudes and our actions that we choose every moment of every day. You are writing your story. What's the story you want to tell? What's the story you want to be told about you? in the days and years to come after this crisis. What story do you want your family to tell about the way you responded during this crisis? My prayer is that we would be people who are writing stories of faith, who are writing stories of generosity, who are writing stories of helping, who are writing stories of reaching out to those who need love, who are writing stories of peace and stories of confidence and stories of joy and stories of love and stories of grace. My prayer is that we would leave no doubt that we follow Jesus anywhere, anyway. I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, we will have some talk it over questions pop up on your screen. I want to ask you just to take a few minutes, push pause, and look at those questions and discuss them with the people you're worshiping with today. Thank you for joining us. Let's pray together. Lord God, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we all have to gather, even though we're not in the same building. Your Spirit unites us. 
Um, it is your spirit that makes us one. And so I'm so grateful that we have the technology to gather together as a church. May we be people who follow you no matter what. When our story is told years from now, Lord Jesus, may the story of West Maine be a story of people who rose up and met their moment and, and made an example of what it looked like to follow you during a crisis. May the stories we tell with our attitudes and our actions be contagious, and may the sickness that people catch be grace and love and peace and confidence and joy, because that's what comes when we follow you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity. Help us to make the most of it. In your name we pray. Amen.